If you're a guest here today, the series is titled 13 Questions. And for all of us, these 13 questions, the way we answer these questions impact our walk every day toward Jesus. But these 13 questions also must be in our spiritual toolbox. We need the answers if we're going to fulfill our vision statement of walking beside people toward Jesus. We've got to help people answer these questions. And parents, I'm going to go after you a bit again because your sons and daughters needs to know the right answers to these questions and understand them. You know, if they're going to have a resilient faith, they need to go deeper in some of this stuff. So I'd encourage you to think about as you're even listening that really recognize how much it impacts the family. Let me just review a couple of the first three. There's on the screen there, the first one we went after three, four weeks ago is what is your definition of God? This is the center one. It impacts all the other questions, all of them. But we went off at number two, you know, what is your awareness of spiritual baggage? Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, throw off the weight and the sin. Weight, we're looking at what was that weight that holds us back from running toward Christ? And last week, we, we went after this issue of throw off the sin. What is your working definition of sin? I understand people view sin profoundly different. It's all across the board, and we were going after that. But to begin, I don't know if you're aware, but at times when we bump into people, you think at work, maybe in the school, at, at relatives, that we become frustrated with people. And, and we look at them and they go, they are completely unaware how they impact other, other people. And I suspect even just saying that you, you know there's people in your mind that you have in your history category that you already have stored there. But let me go farther because I've been at this church now eight and a half years. And I have to admit to you, I've had some great frustration and particularly with a person from this church. And these... Now, these are actually technically reading glasses, understand? So it's kind of hard to see some of your faces out there, and I can't see this person right now. And for the sake of the church, and actually for this person, it's time for me to call out. I, I felt like I, the Holy Spirit was saying, you need to give this name. And now, if I expose this, this might bother some of you, it's important, but here's the name that most frustrates me the most. Now, you would have been shocked if I would have had another name in there, wouldn't of you? <laughs> See, we struggle. Now, physically, we can say that with our aches and pains. But do we recognize the battle within us, within ourselves, for ourselves? Question number four for today. Are you aware? And do you comprehend the war that goes on with our own flesh? Now, this word flesh, understand, it's a biblical term. And in the scriptures, when it writes about it, sometimes it's the physical thing. But here today, it's about this idea, this concept of a different word. It's the flesh. And it talks about a battle within us. 
And I want to show you the battle by first going to Romans chapter 7. This, and, and, and Paul gives a description of really what's going on within the soul at times. Now, I, I got to acknowledge that there's two different views when we approach Romans 7. Is this before Paul was saved or after Paul was saved? And I hold pretty firmly to say this is after. They're struggling with the law. They think they can do things to earn righteousness in that context. But I think he really gives an idea of the struggle of how we walk toward Jesus and some of the things that are going on in those nuances. Let me read it for you this morning. And I'm just, I'm choosing some of the verses, going to leave out some for the sake of time. Verse 14, but I'm merely a human. Verse 15, in fact, I don't understand why I act the way I do. I don't do what I know is right, and I do the things I hate. Although I don't do what I know is right, I agree that the law is good. Verse 18, I know that my selfish desires won't let me do anything that's good. Even when I want to do right, I cannot. Instead of doing what I know is right, I do wrong. Verse 21, the law has shown me that something in me keeps me from doing what I know is right. With my whole heart, I agree with the law of God, but in every part of me, I discover something fighting against my mind, and it makes me a prisoner of sin that controls everything I do. What a miserable person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is doomed to die? Thank God, Jesus Christ will rescue me. Today, two terms, they're used in a synonymous way. Understand they're kind of the same thing. I'll put them on the screen. It's the issue of the flesh or your version of the Bible might have the sin nature. But realize these terms impact us every day. It impacts our relationship with God, with other people, and deeply with ourselves. Now, the flesh is more literal, okay? But the second phrase, the sin nature, is actually made popular by the NIV version of the Bible. But let me put up one definition from a guy. Look how it reads. The outlook of the flesh is the outlook oriented toward self. That which pursues its own ends in self-sufficient independence of God. Thieselton. We need to understand that there is residual all the way back from Adam and Eve that comes into our hearts and our lives. Remember, Adam and Eve claimed independence. They, they turned their backs on God. They chose autonomy. Folks, that autonomy is such a great word because it means independence and self-ruling, and you bring those together. See, they chose to become their own authority. And that reality of choosing that, that characteristic, that attitude, that my world is the most important world has been passed down all the way from Adam and Eve all the way through us and through all of history. And that sin characteristic, that attitude, impacts us all. Now, it is connected to that fourth layer of sin. If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to, to listen to the sermon. But the fourth layer of sin is this occupying our, it's our self-love. It's our selfishness that's rooted within us. And the flesh is deeply connected to that. 
So let me unpack this today, this idea of the flesh or the sin nature. Now, number one is functionally my working definition of it. The flesh is our independent spirit coming from Adam that looks to create illegitimate desires. Through Adam, independence, with the desire to not come under the reign of God. We like to be independent. That is sitting there at the bottom of our souls. And this independent spirit wants to create a world that is centered around ourselves. And again, this is born in a child. When the day they come out of the womb, they have this disposition. And somehow, I think we, we see the selfishness of kids. But what we don't recognize is that you grow up and it doesn't just automatically go away. It's still sitting there. But let me give you another key aspect, point number two in your notes. When salvation comes to a person, that conversion, that conversion begins a battle within that new spiritual heart. When a person comes to faith, one of the things we got to realize is that the Holy Spirit is deposited into our lives, into our souls, into the being of who we are. And it's a gift. But it recognizes at that point, when the Spirit comes in, all of a sudden a war starts, a battle starts. And let me show you another text that really points to this. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to come back to this text later. Look how it reads. For the desires of the flesh, or the sin nature, are against the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. And the desires of the Holy Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Salvation comes. A war begins against the Holy Spirit for every born-again follower of Jesus. Now, again, when the scriptures use the word flesh here, it's not physical flesh. Again, there's lots of other places where it is physical. But this is a combination of the things we experience fleshly, but it's about our spiritual heart. It's about our mind. It's about our, about our will. It's the essence that makes us human. In a fallen world, by the way, you know, you know when we die, you know, sometimes there's a, a casket. You see a body there. Recognize something. There's no soul there. There's no mind there. It is just flesh and bones. But that's not us as we live. And we learn things. We understand things. But understand, as we look at this, do we catch the depth of this battle between the Holy Spirit and this side of us that's called the flesh or the old nature? Let me show you a quote from Table Talk. It's a devotional magazine. I used to get it years ago. Look how it reads. Thus, the war between the flesh and the spirit depicted in the scripture is not a war between the body and the soul, but rather a war within ourselves. And here's the key phrase, a war of our desires. 
We have a new life from the Spirit and a remaining sin, that part of the Adamic uh, heritage that we have not yet fully cast aside, hates this new life. See, salvation begins and a battle begins at that point. And let me just try to illustrate this. I, I used this, I think maybe a couple years ago, but my daughter-in-law was having a conversation with her oldest uh, daughter. And this oldest daughter has committed to Christ, so there's a relationship uh, there. But in the middle of this incident, she gets caught doing something wrong. And in the course of the conversation, the granddaughter realized that she had done something wrong and there was conviction that took place. She felt terrible about what she had done. But she comes and, and, and literally through tears and anguish, the granddaughter said something like this, Mom, I try so hard to be good, but I just can't seem to do it. She's feeling the exact same battle that, Roma, that Romans 7 is talking about. Do we ever feel like that as adults? We try hard to love. It goes flat. We try hard not to say words that hurt. They come out. See, we end up doing the very same thing. We try hard, but something wins out. Matter of fact, I want to show you a word, and we're going to have a question on this word weeks down from now, but here's this word, forgiveness. Do you know that forgiveness is deeply connected with the battle between the flesh and the Holy Spirit? See, the Holy Spirit convicts us, and he's saying, forgive. Jesus wants you to forgive. And the old nature is yelling at us, they don't deserve it. I can't trust them, so I won't. See, and, and then that wrong desires get fed and even goes farther and says this, and I'm going to refuse to forgive you. Matter of fact, I'm going to punish you because of what you did to me. And, and then we become convinced that, we convince ourselves that for unforgiveness is justified. Folks, that is the flesh. It was a battle that was lost between the Holy Spirit and our flesh. Touch your Bibles, though. Turn to James chapter 4. We want to even go deeper because there's some nuances that we must understand of the flesh because it's not just a simple idea. The Spirit doesn't, and sometimes their flesh, we don't think it's, there's stuff going on on the inside, and it is. Okay, but look at James chapter 4, uh, verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? I, I use this in marriage counseling a lot, okay? Battle going on. Where do they come from? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Now, see, there's a nuance here of how the old nature, the flesh, works. And let me illustrate it through a marriage illustration with Deanna and I. Now, confession time. Um, I'm prone at times, okay, more than often than not, 
my work clothes, working around home, and there's a spot kind of by the dresser where rather than hang the clothes up, I just throw the clothes in the corner. Okay, no problem. Well, what if Deanna gets tired of always picking up the clothes? Always put it in a way where they should be hung. Okay, and what if she says something like this to me? Ken, would you please try harder to pick up your clothes? You always are leaving them in the corner. And I'm tired that day. And what if my patience meter is really low at that point? Uh, Those words that she just said can elicit an internal battle that begins in my flesh, and it stirs up a desire See, her words kick-started a a desire, a battle within me, and a battle between the Holy Spirit and what my flesh wants. See, and before Deanna says, before before I say anything, okay, you have to understand what's going on in my soul at this point. Again, the Spirit is going, let it go. Don't say anything. But what if, well, we listen close, the spirit and the flesh listens to it, and inside we do this, I don't deserve to be treated like this. And if the flesh elevates, and it picks up one of the words that says, you always, you always do this. And I'm thinking inside the flesh is going, just last week I hung up my clothes always is not right. And my flesh tells me she's attacking my character because I don't always do it. See, she's going after me. And now the flesh is inside yelling, going, defend yourself. She needs to understand this isn't true. She's just nagging. And the flesh instantly begins to defend the self. And listen, no words have been spoken by me yet. This is all going on on the inside, quickly. No words spoken. And the Spirit is telling me, Ken, don't say anything. And what what if the flesh wins? And here's what happens. It's the picture of picking up a verbal sword. It's that we use for words. And then all of a sudden, I'm justified to take a nick at her verbally because she was wrong and used always. And I'm going to prove to her that she's wrong and that she is disrespecting me. And then I lose the battle And these words come out from me toward her. Would you stop nagging me? You always nag me. Now, I got to stop here. There are times when, you understand, you don't even have to reply with words and the flesh still wins. How do you do that? It's the temptation of the flesh saying this. I'm not justified, so I need to punish, so I'm going to put up a wall. And I'm not going to talk to her all day, the rest of the day. Folks, do we understand that's sinful? 
It's withdrawing love is putting up a wall. See, that's the challenge for us. The flesh is so subtle in that. But all of a sudden, I'm saying, you know what? Yeah, you're a nag. Now, by the way, she isn't, okay? I want to clarify that. Uh, but the spirit, all of a sudden, if those words come out toward her, all of a sudden, inside her begins another battle. She's saying she doesn't deserve it, and she loses the battle. And what if these words then come out from her toward me? You are so irresponsible. And if you really love me, you would help me out. And now my flesh hears, if you really love me, and that comment, do you understand what that's saying? See, on the inside, I'm going, you just attack my character and the ability to love. And another battle is going on within me. So I hear that accusation of not loving, and I'm going, I know I love her. I just changed her oil last week. <laughs> and the battle begins to escalate, and it turns from just a tiff to now a full-blown argument. And the spirit is still whispering, drop it, let it go, forgive. And the flesh is saying, Ken, your manhood is at stake. You got to win this. See, but we do stop and ask, what does Christ want here? Love, not keeping record of wrongs. What does the flesh desire? Win, get even, defend. What causes quarrels and fights among you? It is the first war. It's the first war that's lost. Not the battle with the individual. Then the second battle is the outward one. That's James 4. But the flesh is also really good at something else. Number three for your notes is this. We blame others for our flesh winning and for the Holy Spirit losing. To say it differently, when the Holy Spirit loses and when we say words that are, that are hurtful and we defend, we begin to excuse away our selfishness and, and listen, the flesh literally believes they made me do it. They made me angry. And, and listen, from an anger standpoint, when you're angry, you own it 100%. No one makes you get angry. When it's sinful anger, no one makes you. You own it 100%. But the flesh keeps us from owning our own sin. We justify it because of what they did. And I, I don't know if you realize there's a very short step right here where we can actually become a victim to the other person. And then we go this, we become the victim and therefore I have the right to withdraw love. Because they cause me much more pain than I cause them. They don't deserve to be loved. And I have the right to pull back, to not forgive, because the other person's sin was far more egregious than mine. Do you catch that? And when people get stuck there, they are stuck. I don't know if you realize this, but the only one that really has the right to be a true victim is Jesus. Have you ever thought of that? 
Jesus was the only one that never responded wrong. He always, truth and rightness was, and love was always the context for who he was. And you think of the undeserved sin that was thrown at him over and over and over again to the point of killing him. And he didn't play the victim. And I don't know if you realize this. I, there, nowhere in scriptures does it say this, that the father came to the son and said, Jesus, would you be willing to go to the cross? It just doesn't imply that at all. There was a surrender of God and going, I will die for you because I am going to be obedient to you. Jesus is the only one that could have been a victim. Now, is some sin more egregious? Sure. But do we understand the battle within us? How the, how the flesh lies? But let me give you another nuance, number four here to this. Number four, the flesh, the old nature, loves independence. It resists authority and it fights against humility. See, the flesh wants to win. It doesn't want anyone to tell us that we have blind spots in our lives. Don't you dare point out my sin. You got your own stuff, so stay away. The flesh doesn't like authority unless they are their own authority. When we're in charge, we're happy. But if somebody's authority is pushing against us, the flesh says, no, I don't want it. Matter of fact, students, I don't know if you're aware, but the flesh is whispering to you, ignore the authority figures in your life, your parents, teachers, pastors, good other adults and friends who care about you. But be careful there. Don't get too hard on kids, but because many adults have an aversion to authority as well, unless we're the one that's in charge, then we like it. See, the biblical fact exists that God has put authority in our lives, into this world for our protection. And there's a call to submission, but the flesh is going, don't. But even farther, the flesh does not like humility. Admitting that we're wrong, coming under somebody else's authority. We don't like to be in control, and humility says, give up control. You know, that word autonomy. I got to look out for me. Autonomy, self rule, independence can't coexist with humility. They just don't live in the same room. But Jesus, folks, is inviting us to dependence, not independence. He says, and we'll see it later, humble our humble. He wants us to have lives of humility. Let me show you another text. Galatians 5:19. Push it farther. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. Do you catch these are deeds of the flesh? Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and all things like these. Do you catch the depth of that list? Now, I got to point out the next verse, if I would have put that up there, is the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit is winning, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. But look at a verse 21, and things like these. Folks, this list isn't all-inclusive. It's scary. 
sorcery, which is that in the essence is like witchcraft and the occult, okay, is in the same breath as outbursts of anger and disputes. Same plane. You catch that? Do you understand the reality of where the flesh can take us? That lies within us? Let me go keep going. Number five, we've got to catch this as well. We fail to recognize the frequency and the subtleness of the war between the Holy Spirit and the flesh. Sinful desires are subtle, lurking, whispering, life is supposed to be about you. Now, if one never senses the battle on the inside, that is not a good place to be spiritually, folks. Implies this, that if you are a follower of Christ, your heart is becoming pretty hard. Or if there's no battle, the question would be, is the Holy Spirit there? Has salvation occurred in your life? But, but think of even the world we live in. What does it appeal to? The flesh, TV movies, commercials. How often are they actually in alignment to what Christ desires for us? Just watch a commercial this afternoon. What does it want from you? What's it appealing to you to, to you for flesh? Is, is it, does it really to serve the kingdom of God? Is that commercial going, can serve the kingdom today? Can serve yourself today? Let me give you another illustration how subtle, guys, it can be. I've shared this before. It impacted me years and years ago. It's from a men's book that I read probably 25 years ago. Here's the illustration from that book. You come home from work, guys, and it's been a long day. It's been hard. Um, and you just know it was a rotten day. And do you realize at that point the flesh can be whispering this? You are the most important. And you deserve to take time for yourself. So we walk in the house. We head over to the easy chair. And we sit down. And, and then we do this. We have this <sighs> a long sigh. We want our wife to hear it. And then these words come out of our mouths, it's been a rotten day. Do you understand the potential is that the sigh and that statement are just words of manipulation? And the flesh is saying this, I want my wife to serve me first. Honey, can you just get me a Coke? It's been a rotten day. Can I just close my eyes for about 10 minutes? And my wife needs, I don't even think about him. My flesh is going, ignore him. Don't ask about her day. But understand, okay, I'm too hard on husbands. Wives, the same thing. The husband walks through the door. You take the kids. I got to go. I, I, I can't handle it anymore. Stuff that went on today, it's terrible. See, that the flesh is demanding that he serve you first. And you can even justify it and go, you know what? Honey, in Ephesians 5, you're supposed to lead first. You're the husband. 
You're supposed to be responsible. You're supposed to die for me. Folks, if that's the attitude, that's the flesh. Because sometimes you need to go first. Because God is calling you to that. Do you catch the subtleness of the sigh and the manipulation that takes place? Got another one, number six for your notes. When spiritual movement toward Christ gets blocked, losing to the flesh becomes habitual and the ability to love comes to a grinding halt. See, that old nature, winning becomes a habit. And we begin to lose a self-awareness of really what's going on, our selfishness. And when the flesh wants to keep winning, loving others goes down the toilet. The desire to love others just fades away. And the love for self gets fed. And selfishness becomes habitual. We, and we can't even see it, let alone admit it. You know, this passage, I want to put Philippians 2 on the screen. This has been convicting me for about two months. I wrote about it in the newsletter that's just going to come out here. Look at this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. See, the flesh and its independent spirit pulls us to our own self-interests, and we don't even know it or admit it verbally. Serve my spouse, the automatic default, they don't deserve it, and that can become habitual at this point. Serve the church and the kingdom of God, others should do it, because I got more important stuff going on. Serving and looking out in the needs for others, if it's habitual, you don't even see the needs of others. Because what's best for me? What's convenient for me? Our needs actually trap us at that point. You know, there's an attitude. I've been watching and just this issue, being on staff for years and years in churches, there's an issue that is growing. It's becoming more prevalent in churches. I want to put it on the screen here just so you realize this. Here it is. I need to keep my options open. This attitude is deepening within the church of the United States today. And the flesh is feeding it. And it's subtle and it's deep. Because it's centered around me. I got to have the convenience that I want. Really, when you dig below the surface. I got to keep my options open. But the self is more important. Do you hear that talking? We, and we, we couch it in spiritual talk, but the actions don't lie. See, when we just dabble in serving the kingdom, dabble in church, the flesh is excusing it away. I got more important stuff. Catch the I, I, I. But what is the solution to this battle within us? This one I need to end on. I want to go back to Galatians chapter 5. Look how it reads. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. 
For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Then verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. There is freedom. See, it's not just about trying harder to get over the issue of the flesh. That's putting law and legalism to it. But is this, can we actually win this battle? Will these patterns ever go away in our life when we begin to unpack them and realize just how subtle our, our flesh is winning? Here's the reality. We can. The Holy Spirit gives us a pathway. Now, it doesn't really explain this in Galatians 5 because we take that term. We, gotta, you know, we give Christianese answers. on How do you get, deal with the sin in your life? Just walk by, the, walk by the Spirit. I go, what does that mean? How do we apply that to our lives and unpack that? Well, let me do that, try to do that this morning. James chapter 4. There might be some words that you want to underline in your Bible. And as I read this, notice the action that needs to be taken in this text. Look at James chapter 4, verse 5. Now, I, I, let me just get the context as well. James chapter 4, verse 1, what causes quarrels and fights? And then there's a section there where we give our love, our desires are going toward the world. The flesh is winning there. And then he comes to chapter 4, verse 5. Or do you suppose it's no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit he's made to dwell in us. That God is jealous when we give our, lo when our love to the world. But look at verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before God, and he will exalt you. He will help you win. He will lift you up. So let me give you some of the keys to be walking with the Spirit. It's our part. We must cooperate. First bullet there, battling the flesh and the old nature. Humility, humility, humility. God gives grace to the proud. No, whoops. Grace to the humble. Humble ourselves before God. We will never be walking in step with the Spirit without humility. And do people see us do that? Humble ourselves. Bow before Him. Here's another one. Deal with your independent spirit. How? Submit to God. Give up the right to be the determiner of your life. Take your palms, the attitude of the palms and put, okay, God, I give you the right. I don't know if you, we realize this. We're typically not the best ones to judge whether we actually have an independent spirit or not, if we're trapped by it. It's why we need discerning people in our lives. Ken, here's a blind spot to you. I have those people in my life. 
See, if you think that you know yourself best, I'm going, you're blind to your own pride. And the flesh is blinding you of that. Let me give you another one. We need to learn the lies of the world and Satan. It talks about resisting Satan. What does he do? What's his primary working pattern? Lies. The stuff that he feeds the flesh with every day in our culture. You know, so many people get hooked into self-help books. And do you realize that the majority of them, if they're not Christian-based, and some even are Christian-based, they say this, claim the right to be independent. That's where freedom is found. Be all you can be. And go, that's Satan's lie. See, if these self-help books are never revealing the heart of sin, I go, throw them away. Freedom is found on dependence on God, humbling ourselves before God, saying this, God, I want, in terms of me, where I need to go and what I need to become, you decide for me what I need to become. Not what I decide, what I want. God, change me into what you want. That's submission. Learning the lies, though. Let me give you the next bullet. Draw near to God to hear the voice of God. Draw near to him. He will draw near to you. That, that's a promise. See, how do you draw near to God? You can't do it without the word of God. You can't do it without prayer. You can't do it without the church. You can't do it without relationships with other people. Because God uses other people to speak into your life and pull him to yourself. See, do we train ourselves, stop and ask, what does the Bible teach? What does the Holy Spirit want? What are words that give life in this situation? Holy Spirit, would you give me wisdom? I need it right now. What if we pray that prayer over and over again when we're in the midst of a challenging situation? For some of you, you're not drawing near to God. You're half mile away. Yeah, you're saved, but how are you ever going to hear the, the whisper of the Holy Spirit if you're half mile down the road and you're not drawing near, you're not coming close? His voice, the closer you get, his voice gets louder and louder and louder within your spirit and it battles the flesh stronger. Worship team, why don't you come up? Come up. We've got just one more point here. Last bullet. Slow down to see your real desires. Hold up a mirror to your soul. And if needed, step toward repentance. Repentance. The phrase, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Mourn our sinfulness. See, the Spirit is not impressed with us. We can use a lot of God talk and never repent. And we're losing the battle to the flesh. Repentance means this. We call our sin and our selfishness sin. And we begin to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to give us the ability to stop it. But when we excuse it, the flesh wins. See, turn our hearts back to God. Hate what is sinful. That's the mourning. It's basically what it's saying there. Hate your sin. It's hurting you. Take it seriously. 
you catch the breath of how the flesh is trying to pull us away from Christ and the Father and the Spirit. Folks, we got to bow before him and we got to trust him because we have a God who cares. He cares about our winning the battle. It's why he's given us the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you won't win. And maybe some of you today don't have the Spirit. You really don't sense the battle within you. And maybe the Spirit is first calling you right now to salvation and give up control to him. But for us that do know him, do we sense that the Holy Spirit longs for us to live lives of freedom? See, get rid of the sin, but then what's the opposite? The potential is love. Impacting people for Christ. Peace, joy. When situations come up that are hard, we give glory to God. We sang that earlier. We give glory when hard things come. Why? Because the Spirit says, no, trust God. So here's my encouragement. As we sing the song, maybe there's work that needs to happen in your heart. And maybe you just need to sit there or stand there and just pray and say, God, would, today would be the day that I'm going to begin to depend on you to battle the flesh. Trust the Holy Spirit. He wants to help you. Let's stand, though, and let's respond to him. Sing. Sing to him. We have a God who loves us. He wants to set us free, to worship, to love, to, to give him the due that he needs to be done. Let's sing today. The challenge is for us, do we trust God that he wants to free us from sin? Are we willing to submit to him, to humble ourselves, draw near to him, allow him to open up our heart and to see the battle that we're experiencing? But folks, we got to trust that the Holy Spirit wants to walk with us every day, in every relationship, in every hard thing in life. The, the call is to trust God. And the flesh says, don't, don't, don't trust God. We got to listen to the Holy Spirit. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants to set us free to love profoundly, love God and to love others. That's what he wants to do as we win that battle with the flesh through the help of the Holy Spirit, that can happen. Let's pray.